Beardy and the Beast, The Second Wall. This is placeholder intro song. Welcome to The Second Wall, binge-free zone where we look at a series and discuss it in small chunks. This time we are looking at Joss Whedon's sci-fi classic, Firefly. We can be found on most podcast and social media platforms, a full list of which can be found at beardyandthebeast.com. Please watch the episode and then join Drew and I in the mess as we explore the verse. Are you ready for a shindig? Ha! <laughs> never. You never know what's, what's going to happen. It's like, uh, am I going to show up and, like, is my is an ex there or some rando who i like go out of my way not to talk to that sort of thing shindigs are pretty hit or miss <laughs> did you find this shindig hit or miss uh no there was definitely a hit <laughs> a few of them <laughs> what i like uh, about this one is all the world building is beginning to reach a point. It's like culminating, at least in the high class parts of the society. Mm -hmm. So we've had some glimpses about, uh, about how like the lower classes in, in this universe are, but like nothing super expansive yet. Yeah. And this one's kind of more elaborating on the more uh, like higher class. And like the sense of self entitlement and nobility and like lordship. Um, it's really old school, which is like super weird. I get why it would revert to that, but it's nice to see. They talk, they talk about the haves mm -hmm. a lot in Firefly, or at least enough that I've noticed. And it's, it's nice to see like a point and put a face to it rather than it just being a hypothetical other. Yeah. And someone definitely gets a point put to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, because this is really the first time that we see, I guess, a more metropolis type area mm -hmm. and a the upper class. Right, and ours is kind of the closest we've had to it. Uh, and it is interesting that they they're just as vapid as people like to think they would be. And it's it's clear that they at least Atherton as a representative of the whole, um, which I guess the, I've heard his name, the Lord was kind of antithetical to Atherton and in, in uh, certain ways. But I mean, if you take it right down to the incident at the Shindig, mm -hmm. the, the whole concept of it's, it's clear that he thinks of Anara as just an object as a thing to be bought. Very much so. And I mean, she kind of plays it off. It's like, he likes me and I like him. But it's like, he's asking Anara not to be um, his friend or a romance interest. He's saying, you can stay here and be like my concubine. Yeah. It's, it's not even seeing her as like a whole person. It's seeing mm -hmm. her as a profession, I guess you could say. Yeah, I, I think it's... Atherton, I think, is really good for showing... It works very well to show Mal's character mm -hmm. as well. Right? Cause you get that, again, that insulting bits to Anara from Mal. But it is very clear, and even Mal says it, it's like, 
I don't respect what you do, but I respect you. Yeah. Whereas Atherton, for lack of a better term, respects what she does, <laughs> <laughs> but not her. The thing is, at the Shindig, it did show a lot of balance, but because our primary antagonist was such a D-bag, um, it was hard to see through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, like the the girls uh, making fun of Kaylee in her late yeah. cake dress, and that old gentleman comes by and like lays the the proverbially old smack down with an epic diss, and just straight up like I, I can't abide useless people. Yeah, what was it? I I bet it took a, a week for the slaves to get you in, but here it takes just a wink to get you out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was it the the of time of a schoolboy's wink yeah <laughs> uh, uh, does it oh it doesn't slaves a dozen days yeah <laughs> get you into that dress yeah so it, it does show some some balance that there is mm. some actual like nobleness to some of the nobility yeah and the people i expect to be ignoble mm. are are the people that were right it was the you you can tell it's that was it that second third generation wealth. It's not the people who are wealthy. It's their kids. Mm-hmm. It's the younger group that were all like that. I wonder if they did any character building. I wonder if you could even trace it down that like the gr- group of girls um, and Atherton all being like as you say like third or even fourth generation wealth, whereas um, the Lord and actually the other Lord because he had a sash too. Mm-hmm. Um, being like those who made their own wealth, who became successful on their own, and understand, um, work and the value of it. Yeah, and and, and it's a big thing because, like, I think this is—I can't remember. Persephone's not quite a core planet, but it's definitely not outer rim. Yeah, oh. I always perceived it as technically not being a central planet but because of how like the central planets push out like further out every year that it could almost be considered Mm. like you could see them as like the alliance being a considerable power Mm -hmm. not in control per se but having a lot of influence yeah it's interesting because even though the Alliance has that influence again, we're clearly getting even the nobles are not a hundred percent on board or we wouldn't have, you know, the whole smuggling job in the first place happening. Well, I guess it, it wasn't clear if that was due to the Alliance or just the, the rules of this planet, the mm. laws of the planet. I'm I'm going to talk about it as if it's more of a, like a centralized rule for the planet itself. So the ruling class have created restrictions and tariffs to prevent off-world trading so that whatever central government they have can uh, be in control of said trade. Mm. Like if you kind of kind of look at each planet as if it was its own country mm. instead of like an entire rock hurtling through space. Yeah, I, I think I always thought of them more as states, but I can I could see that. Well, you would, I, w- I would say, think of, uh, just hypothetically here, uh, think of the Alliance mm. 
either being something similar to the EU or something similar to the United States. Right. Like an actual uh, united grouping of states. And then yeah. the other other planets being like smaller countries. So you would have, you know, yeah. your New Zealands and your, I don't know, Canada's. No, that, that makes sense. I think it's yeah, just a way I, I think I looked at different because th there was definitely Alliance presence on the planet. Definitely. They even showed it in the f first episode. Yeah, first episode. Yeah. I mean, you saw the military throughout the streets mm -hmm. as well. So yeah, I, th I think that's where some of my perception of it came. It's, it's probably just all balance of power and politicking and mostly be I, I make this assumption simply because there was nothing direct about the alliance at the shindig right not even like uh purple bellies yeah um guarding so it was all very highbrow civilized and it makes me think there's at least some independence to persephone mm. but again I, I doubt it extends that far. The Alliance yeah. will definitely have their, their hooks in it quite significantly. And yeah. yeah, I mean, if some, someone who dealt with the actual world building uh, and galaxy building came out and mm -hmm. said the rules, why they couldn't trade off planet were actually set by the Alliance. I'd be like, okay, makes sense. Yeah. It's just, I'm saying my perception. Yeah. Uh, that makes, that makes sense. It It is weird to see, all these amalgamations of different cultures in uh, different places. Like mm -hmm. they're definitely drawing from a, a, a lot of East and West Asian symbology. Mm. <laughs> Symbolism. <laughs> Symbolism. <laughs> um, and you could see a lot of that, like at the, at the shindig where there was very much kind of a, a co colonial times, uh, great empire England sort of thing going on. But there was also like, I think even down to some of the collars and things, you could definitely see the interaction, which is strange considering how, how much more like um, when they, when they've showed the people deemed lower class on Persephone, like they have dots, there definitely seems to be more uh, Asian influences. Mm. I'm wondering if I'm going to pick up on that more as we watch further. Yeah, that's that's interesting because this episode I found I didn't see as much of the Asian influences, mm -hmm. like outside of the the cross of like Mandarin or Cantonese, whichever it is. Um, just some paintings and yeah. stuff in the background I saw. Yeah, whereas in earlier episodes, like we're in the bar and there are people like you know very asian inspired dress or even um uh liquor mm -hmm. like the, the canisters and how it's served and the type of uh dish yeah that they're imbibing liquor out of yeah so it, it's one of those one of those things but it i think you kind of you may have known there's like as we're getting more into the halves we get more of the Western culture is what mm. becomes prominent, prominent, which is a little bit interesting when you think of it as we know essentially everyone in the verse is basically refugees from Earth. That was mm -hmm. because so it, not... because it was destroyed at the end of Cabin in the Woods. 
Look, Angel fought hard. <laughs> he always <laughs> wanted to fight a dragon. Best ending line ever. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I, I for somehow wrapping up an entire TV show in like one episode, they actually did an amazing job. Yeah. It obviously could have been done better, but like in 43 minutes or however much, they 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 definitely wrapped up enough to make me satisfied. Yep. Agreed. But we're not talking about Angel. <laughs> we, we've kind of touched on, on Mal. I think there's a lot of kind of character moments uh, around Mal in particular here. Well, this is, this is really beginning to round up my theory that everything is actually about Mal and how everything is relative to Mal. I'm surprised there hasn't been any other characters been, being used as your primary focus as of yet. It's it's down it's down to this point. If I I don't even remember if there is an episode. I'm pretty sure there's like one in the future about River, mm. like more very directly about River. But I guess this one is still really like about how everyone interacts with Mel. Uh, yeah, it's. I think part of that too. It's getting pretty early. Most early seasons, even when you have an ensemble cast, you try to you tend to focus mostly around one or two. Yeah, I mean, it ends up being like uh, Buffy, 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 Willow, slash Willow, slash Xander. Yeah. uh, Buffy, Buffy. Like, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely Mal's interactions, but he is our focal point for now. I don't disagree with that. But some of those interactions were... I guess quite notable. Uh, his interactions with Kaylee, for example, mm-hmm. you know, kind of mocking her for wanting the the frilly dress, just says something without thinking. Really, that, yeah. I, I thought that was more of like a lashing out. Yeah, because he has some type of pent up feeling for Anara. That's how I read that moment. Could be, but but it, it's still it's still a lashing out. Yeah. Well, I guess it's, it's a lashing out, but it's still saying it without thinking. Yeah. Um, because you kind of see the immediate regret on his face for saying it, but doesn't really have a chance to do anything about it. They all kind of storm off. Uh, you get Jane being completely oblivious to what just happened. Um, and like, I know he obviously bought, bought the frilly dress for Kaylee even though it was part of the job, but I kind of get the impression that he would have anyway. Oh, I think he would have made it up to her for sure. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not with the, the dress specifically, but he knows what he did. <laughs> you could definitely see when he said what he said, it was immediately recognized as the incorrect thing to say. And then it's, it's interesting that he he didn't remark on like how nice he looked, considering he obviously did acknowledge it. And when he was dancing with Anara, he he was Anara says uh, that she looks terrific, and Mal goes, "Yeah, I know, but I didn't tell her." Yeah, I think I think there's a couple of things with it. I think some of it is stoicism. Mm. He's not going to immediately do it. I think he's the type. He definitely comes across the type where it's the actions that matter, not necessarily the words that are said. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, so I think that's why he doesn't think he has a need to tell her. Um, but Anar is that exception, right? Anar is the person that he will tell those things to. <laughs> we could almost formulate a theory here. I, I, I think, I don't know if I do like an entire video essay or something on it, but I definitely think you could use each character on board Serenity as some component of Captain Reynolds' personality. Mm. Uh, from loyalty to family, some Simon to River, to like ability, prowess, combat, decision-making on the fly, that's Zoe. Mm-hmm. Like ingenuity, Kaylee. Yeah. And actual expression of his feelings would be through Inara. Mm. I don't know if that holds up per se. Inara would be more the person that he can express feelings to rather than a representation of his ability to express feelings. However, I think there could be an argument being made. You could look at the characters in that light and experience the show in a little bit different way. I think so. And, and we've kind of touched on that before where we've talked about you can almost look at Serenity itself and as a, the, yeah. as a whole as a character, which I think is why you get that. And it allows them all to to play off with each other mm-hmm. and, and just build on the character of the crew as a character in and of itself. I said character way too many times in that sentence. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> I do. I'm going to preface this a little bit because I don't necessarily think that female characters need to act feminine, but it was really nice to at least briefly see a feminine side of Zoe when Mm. she was admiring the dress and like talking about Inara in a form of awe, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as like expressing herself more than she has previously when she was talking about like owning a slinky dress. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it was interesting to get more like deeper into Zoe as a character than the loyal right hand slash loyal wife. Mm. Like seeing an expansion there was really nice because I didn't even remember any of that, but mm. I I thought they kind of just skipped over Zoe. But I think I, I just missed it and I think it was more subtle over the course of the series. And I think that's accurate because we kind of talked about Zoe in particular so much more tied to other characters Mm -hmm. than anyone else, than even Simon and River. And part of that comes from that stoicism, Mm -hmm. right? She's that stoicism. She's that loyal right hand, as you said. And a lot of things tie to that. So instead we see her interactions and it's interesting because she's almost foiled with with other characters within other crew members. Mm -hmm. So we get her, I want the slinky dress with Kaylee. I want the princess dress, you know, pretty much at the same time. So you kind of see both sides of that, of the feminine uh, in that regards. And both have respect for Nara, but in different ways. Mm -hmm. I think Kaylee's almost a little more superficial about it. Like, so it's we, one of those things where you really get her, you get a sense of how young she is. And it's obvious that, at least to me, I don't know, I could be incredibly incorrect, but I think Zoe respects uh, 
the respect and command of Anara. Mm-hmm. Like the poise. Yes. I, I would say is the best thing. Like there's a full respect there. Um, I'm wondering though, is that, is that the formulation of the character interactions as a whole in the family, just using a concept of foil as well? Because mm-hmm. uh, you, you can see it if you're, if we're talking about, um, so you got, I know it's not in this episode, but Mal to book. Mm. There's obvious, uh, obviously a foil there, but there's also a form between um, book and Anara. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's just where the writing is what succeeds in the show mm-hmm. choosing the appropriate moments and interactions between characters and showcasing their differences. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Um, I think like we'll, we'll just use the NR and Zoe Zoe here. Yeah. Uh, in particular in this episode, uh, it's clearly the most relevant one at the moment. Um, we get that idea of where again, they're clearly very different. Mm-hmm. We know they have, um, so we look at Zoe and, and her her respect for Inara. It actually becomes a good character moment for Zoe as well, because now we get that idea of she respects strength, mm-hmm. even though it's not the same type of strength that Zoe shows. Well, it's pure strength, um, yeah. opposed to... Being a masculine strength, which is what they had portrayed Zoe up to this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it layers it nice. It makes it complicated without having to beat you over the head about what they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's almost like they they use a single tether, a, a single similarity to bring together two people and then showcase their differences. Mm-hmm. Um, and not even create like a, a conflict or an abrasive thing. Mm-hmm. But I gotta I gotta I got an idea here. I'm going to work on this. All right. And maybe in a couple of casts, I'll be able to formulate it. Yeah. But I, I do agree that uh, Zoe Tonara is the per is a good, um, is, is a great comparison um, mm-hmm. in this episode. And Kaylee Tonara also works very well in this episode. Mm. Um, it so might even be better. It, I, I have always seen this kind of as Kaylee's shining episode uh it definitely is better so we have and we get a lot of character growth from kaylee in this short time Mm -hmm. so so we go from having the you know just the enamored it's a pretty dress because it's something that anara has and i'm just enamored with anara Mm -hmm. right it goes to gets to go to the same shindig as as anara and tries to be the prim and proper and, you know, immediately shot down by, you know, um, those useless people. (laughs) (laughs) And then she becomes herself. And then she's accepted. She's accepted. And all of the guys are around her. None of them are near the other group. Those, you know, the Valley girls, as it were. I'm telling you guys, guys like, uh, I mean, guys who are into girls like a girl that they can talk to. Yeah. Well, <laughs> guys and, who are into themselves like a girl that they just can look at. Yeah. And and that's what it is. So I think that's a big strength for her. I think that helped Kaylee become confident, you know, knowing it's okay to be her. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's good enough. You don't need to be Anara. And, you know, she still has that bit of, obviously, that that girliness, which is hard to see when she's much more tomboyish in a lot of ways. Right, but just the fact that she has the dress hanging up is a showpiece for herself now. Mm-hmm. Well, to to complete what you were saying before you get um, d- distracted about uh, just Kaylee being awesome. Is... That will never happen. Lies <laughs> and slander. Uh, so that that is the perfect foil um, for Nara, who in this place, where the the conflict surrounding her was the fact that she commands respect, but was just wholesale being disrespected because she was being herself mm-hmm. um, by the primary antagonist in this one. So you have um, two people in the same environment, both wearing uh, lovely dresses, I guess you could say. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call uh, Kaylee's dress uh, beautiful, but I would definitely call it lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, she definitely wore it well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So having that comparison, both being in a place and, one being accepted when they discovered um, that they should just be themselves and one who is not being accepted and just being treated as a thing when being herself. Yeah. Um, One thing I do want to point out, I don't know if you noticed, but when they returned to the shift, um, even though Kaylee took off the dress, she was still wearing the bow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it's definitely, again, I think Anara had growth there too. And for a lot of the reasons you're thinking, I think, I mean, she's been with Mal for a relatively short amount of time. Mm -hmm. We're we're looking at about a year. And I don't think she ever necessarily realized how much disrespect she she would be getting from some of these people. Mm. Right. And, And that's part of, you know, but it's my job versus... It's who I am. So I think Mal's steadfast resolve to go through with the duel, stand up for her like that, um, <laughs> opened her eyes. Because, and, and she says it throughout the episode, she keeps talking about how she could belong there. But it's clear when we look at the actions and the interactions between the crew and everything that she doesn't. Well, I think she... the the way I read that was she was trying to convince herself mm-hmm. uh, through saying something to Mal. I mean, people do this all the time. Yeah. Um, they tell something to somebody not to convince them, but to convince themselves of that thing. Um, yeah. The whole conversation at the end about uh, why why she didn't leave or wouldn't leave was simply because she knows that she belongs on Serenity. Yeah. It's it's the it seems to be the only place that people actually accept her for mm-hmm. who she is, even when surrounded by people like <laughs> Book and Reynolds. Yeah, um, that's the thing. They might not respect what she does, but they respect her. Exactly. I mean, that's that was expressed in I think even uh, episode one from Book. Mm-hmm. I guess technically episode two. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, not much really happened with jane i think we can pretty much just skip over him um yeah. and book we did we did have um i mean simon too but we did have that interaction with river um pulling off the labels and of course 
the best line of the series when she she tells what's his face that he's a sad little king of a sad little hill i freaking always loved like i've gone back years after having even watched it on youtube and like looked at that little interaction because it was so so good yeah um it's she's selling it more yeah yeah this is yeah we're seeing the river that i was talking about in episode one Mm -hmm. (laughs) as you rightly called me out on (laughs) (laughs) got a little ahead of yourself yeah a little ahead of myself um it's it's interesting because it it raises there's so many questions raised around river so um let's kind of look at these in in two parts so let's look at her going crazy Mm -hmm. ripping all all the labels um there is more to that than just her going crazy and ripping off the labels if you're actually paying attention to what she's saying she's talking about the guys with the hands of blue again Mm -hmm. um and i know we know much later on that there's more there so i mean the labels is a good example of it essentially tearing through um who she was making it so that you don't understand or don't know what's inside anymore Mm -hmm. like as as a symbol even the act of doing that makes a lot of sense for the like the savage deconstruction of a person Mm -hmm. um this actually this kind of makes me want to bring up uh, last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I say savage deconstruction of a person, that perfectly describes um, what the Reavers did to that guy in the last episode, mm. um, just through different means. So yeah. we're we're even talking about like the. I'm gonna refer to the. It's not actually this way, but I'm gonna refer to them as the primal forces of this universe. We have. Um, the epitome of savageness and the epitome of science. Yes. In the end, having the same negative cons- impact on people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the two by two hands of blue, the men with blue hands, and what they did to River. Uh, yeah. In comparison, I just I just noticed realized that. Yeah. So I want to. No, it's definitely true, and um, this is something that I'm going to talk about because I know it doesn't get explored enough in the series, um, but but I'll kind of mention it here. Um, one thing you notice a lot throughout even this first several episodes is the blue sun, mm. um, which, you know, big corporation, a lot of the things that like all of the cans that she was ripping those label offs were also blue sun. Mm. Uh, like, and I know from the future that there is a connection there, even though it doesn't get, unfortunately doesn't get explored as much as I'm sure Joss Whedon wanted it to. Um, it's just interesting because it brings in kind of a, was the connection a, related to serenity, the movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, which this is, this is all ex- expanded universe. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because there's almost like a cyberpunk aspect mm. to this as well. If you're if you if you're looking for it, if you pay attention. So again, we look at River talking about the two by two hands of blue, 
everything she's taking apart is like these blue sun labels while she's talking about the men who um, again the same two by two men and what's the thing when you're when you're unable to um what's what's the best way to say um when you're unable to express yourself verbally you'll take physical action yeah um i I think a good representation of this there was an episode of house where there was uh, a man in a wheelchair something had happened to him and he was in one of those automated wheelchairs he could like just um barely move his hand to move the chair or whatever he couldn't speak or Mm -hmm. anything and the thing was he drove his uh, automated wheelchair into the pool. Mm-hmm. And then it came out like the big thing is he felt like his insides were on fire. Yeah. Um, so if you're unable to express yourself in one way, you might take action in another way. So this yeah. is River essentially saying like, no one observed it in the episode. Mm-hmm. But this is her expressing like, the people who impacted her. Yeah. Again, this just kind of goes back to what I've said with, with Whedon's writing in general. It, it's something that on a casual watch, it'd probably be easy for the viewer to miss it as well. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of depth in that, it, a lot of depth in that moment. Just like we've said in other things, what you can do in just a few frames sometimes is powerful. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is a good example. Um, the other character moment for River um, was, of course, you said her interaction with Badger. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, this is where you like really begin to wonder about her. Um, like you're getting inklings, but now at this point, you're really beginning to like theorize. So you're kind of thinking, like, is this girl hyper intelligent, hyper observant? Is like we're talking like the the sitcom psych. Mm-hmm. You can see something and just extrapolate from there and just be like hyper observant and be able to act upon it. Um, or is there something deeper? Is there something mental, like some type of psychic thing? Is there something going on with River that um is more than a bunch of effed up people made her crazy? Yeah. And this is I think more so last episode but they're definitely beginning to feed into that now. Yeah. I, it seems really actually. A um, lot of this stuff happens earlier than I remembered it, but I also thought this episode as a whole was a bit later. Well, I mean, um, if, you, if you're thinking about a concept for a, say a four season run, mm-hmm. like a four or five season run of something, which is fairly common, if you're planning for that, having to start aggressively pursuing it this early, um, or at least frequently, um, it just seems very early to me. So I'm wondering if at this point they knew that it wasn't going to get continued. Uh, it's definitely possible i think i'm going to slightly just dis- like i understand what you're saying but i'm going to slightly disagree with you there mm. i think the 
idea was to have a lot of this river arc just be be the entire be the season one big oh. Oh, okay so like being the um the overarching inciting incident yes okay um so i think that's what happened there and i think you know going into the future i think that's why a lot of serenity played out as it did mm. because again he's a big focus there but that's what you kind of need to do to to keep the story continuing mm-hmm. um so again the, the they do this in such a way you, you nailed it on the head. You, you actually said exactly what I was going with there. It's like, okay, is she hyper observant? Is there something else here? Let's layer this with the episode previous with the Reavers where she seemed to have, where there was the question of, is she detecting something? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, before it could be, it could have been like cool editing choice, mm-hmm. but now they're elaborating. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just it it pretty much I I like what they did. I I haven't liked up until this point a lot of the stuff that they've done with River, but this is I like what they did in this episode. Mm. It was more subtle. Um it seemed to fit better. Yeah. And like you feel like something's there mm-hmm. um, rather than a also random character on the side. We're actually beginning to see some growth there and something happening. Yeah. And I mean like and... vent Simon into space. We don't need him. <laughs> it is interesting. This is kind of, I think the first episode where we don't get the um, child uh, river. Hmm. That's probably why I like it. Yeah. No Sharon's in this episode. No Sharon's in this episode. <laughs> um, it's. I will say something for on Simon's defense here. Mm. He was the one who brought up who started the idea of figuring out how to deal with everything going on with Badger on the ship. Hmm. He was the one I actually talked about, okay, how are we doing this? It wasn't Zoe. It wasn't Jane. Um, so that's... I mean, we we kind of know that Simon isn't afraid to take action, but well, he kind of is. But it is in his nature to kind of take action. Well, the way... I mean, in that case, he, he was the representative of the... Um civvies on the ship yeah um so i'm going to talk talk about this in hypotheticals because they didn't really go into it Mm. um but i anticipate zoe was quietly formulating some type of action plan Mm -hmm. and i had a feeling that jane was ready to defer and follow her lead because as much as jane talks like he knows he's not a thinker he knows he's not a like he knows he's not strategic and for the most part he respects the chain of command yeah because he knows it's a chain they go and get beaten with until he <laughs> knows what the chain of command is yeah well it, it, it it's funny like 
I, I agree. Like that is something that makes sense. Um, I mean, again, it's, it's even mentioned in like the beginning of the episode again, um, much like you said, uh, in I think it was the last episode. Zoe just replies to James, like I can hurt you. And he just shuts up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, there's there's only one person you don't try to stand toe to toe against on that ship, and it's Zoe. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I, I'm glad that you brought this up because it it makes me agree with something that you said. Episode three, I think, uh, Simon as being like a pseudo um, representation of the viewer, the cabbage head. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So in that moment, we're sitting here. And we're asking, like, how are they going to get out of this? What's going to happen? And have Simon be like, okay, so what are we going to do? So people actually start talking about what are we going to do? Yeah. So I think you were head on there. Yeah, because it's like Zoe and Jane wouldn't need that. Again, you get that impression from book two. Like, like I still, I've always had that impression there's just more to book than just being the the man of the cloth. Yeah, but... Like even even I'm gonna have to see it more, but I remember from my previous watches that like kind of talk about the whole thing, which I'm we're trying not to do. Yeah, but I don't think they wrote it well. Mm. That's that's fair. And again, maybe that's maybe that's season two stuff. Yeah, and maybe that's why it's inklings. Like I, I get inklings of it. I don't have anything definitive, mm-hmm. but there's just something. Something there. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, I feel like. Um, there was one more point that I kind of wanted to go back to with Anara, just to jump jump back half a step. Um, yeah, I think we're pretty much ta- done talking about the other characters. Yeah, there wasn't much. Like I said, there wasn't much there. I mean, we get uh, nothing revolutionary. <laughs> For any of them, um, girl, you tell Yes, man, I love that anime. Never saw it, nerd. <laughs> Get out of here, you weeb. Why you gotta bring up stuff like that, you weeb? Anyway, so Anara, um, so kind of going back to the, <laughs> the idea of her not exactly fitting in with the um with the upper class, with the lords, as it were. Um, there's a clear... I kind of got that a clear impression from her when they were in the opening scene, when they're at the bar, just watching Jane hit things with a big stick. Yeah. Uh, she felt... She came across to me as feeling very much at home there in that type of situation even when the brawl started, like it was very clear. She knew how to move and she was enjoying herself. I think her, her position in the upper crust is as a symbol. Mm. Um, not as Inara as a character. Mm. So we're, we're still exploring who Anara is besides just a companion. Yeah. Um, I mean, the only person who seems to 
actually have a decent idea of who Inara is. It is probably Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And and that's simply just through their confrontations and them um just sassing each other. Yeah. Because that's it's it's not always, you know, highbrow sass she's throwing back. There's some yeah. good punches in there, right? It's there's there's from the there's a lot of from the shoulder and not always <laughs> uh from the elbow or wrist. Yeah. But uh I mean, if if they were releasing an expanded universe uh, comic about Inara, um, I could see her being like a troublemaker, um, maybe somebody who came from the, like I, I assume on her planet because of the way they've kind of talked about it. Um, I just get this feeling that there's like a pretty deep caste cast uh, system. Mm-hmm. So, like I don't know this for certain. But I'm just saying if they released a comic. I get the feeling that it would make a lot of sense if she came from like the bottom crust, which is still quite high in comparison to yeah. like say where Kaylee came from or the the regular folk on Persephone, but yeah. um, push through the expectations of her, like, and what does they defy? Uh, stereotypes based on her cast very much like uh oh geez i was gonna say uh there's no rule it says a dog can't play basketball um and i agree because like a lot of this is you know we don't know much about anara either mm-hmm. uh this is the the couple of snippets throughout this i think again it's that subtle way of showing what her character is, you know, it, it was like literally that little bit of a scene there, you know, just clearly can lead into exactly what you just described about where possible, uh, um, early life came from, uh, again, which I find interesting because we see similar things mirrored in Kaylee, mm-hmm. just, just in a different way. Right. It's that, uh, so I just think it's a big, a big character moment for her. Again, even though it's subtle, you're not necessarily going to pick up on it, and probably not necessarily on the first viewing either. Well, I think, I think one of the reasons why she probably feels at home on Serenity is the fact, and this this is what kind of one of the overarching themes of the entire episode is uh, that everyone, especially Mel regards her for who she is and mm-hmm. not what she is. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a kind of naked honesty there opposed to the lie of it as uh, Malcolm would say. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that, that authenticity mm-hmm. is a big thing. I, another interesting Thing with her and again with that authenticity um, there's a bit of a mirror between her and Mal mm. again so we, we kind of talked about the two points that I'm going to tie into this already we talked about how Mal can't tell Kaylee that the dress looks cute on her mm-hmm. and then we have we compare that to 
Inara and Mal's final conversation at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. We're saying it's like, oh no, I just can't leave Serenity. There's clearly something more. I, I've always there's clearly something more between Mal and Inara's relationship. Mm-hmm. She did the exact same thing Mal did, but I can't tell him <laughs> that he's part of the reason. Mm, okay, yeah, I see. Um. And it's not the first time that we've had that from Adara. I feel I, f- I feel like that could be some type of like will they, will they not, or some type of like weird shipping or projection thing, but I'm not gonna argue against it just because I like the concept. <laughs> <laughs> I think your argument is well formed. Yeah. Yeah. And th- there's other examples of it earlier on. Mm-hmm. Again, just just the conversation shit with book it's like we'll pray for him well, just don't tell him i don't right like there's there is more there mm-hmm. so she kind of does the same thing as mal does but i also get it also felt very clear to me in that conversation that they didn't need to say it they didn't need to be direct mm-hmm. and and i don't quite see this necessarily shipping like i have no problem with these guys just being extremely close platonic it's not necessarily about them having to be in a relationship it's that there is that clear respect for each other despite their snipes at each other yeah yeah i i saw your book it says it says uh inara reynolds and malcolm sarah (laughs) just over and over and over again (laughs) uh No, you're you're right though. I I agree. I'm just I'm just poking fun. I actually yeah. wouldn't be able to come up with a irrefu- irrefutable argument as to why it's project projection or something. I definitely feel that there's a type of glance or way that she looks at him. Yeah. That is certainly different than the way she was looking at Atherton. Yeah. Uh, to the point where I think I really think they they like moistened her eyes to make mm-hmm. them shine that little bit more. Yeah, um, it, it, it's funny during Mal and uh, Anora's conversation before they actually landed on Persephone mm. when she was you know choosing her suitors. All I could think was Roxanne. Roxanne. <laughs> Don't have to turn on the red light. That's <laughs> the subtext was there for it. Uh, like well, it just that that beginning scene actually, I feel perfectly proves our conclusion for this. Mm. She immediately turned down the person who was regarding her as a position. Yeah. Or a status symbol. Mm. And chose, though it seemed dishonest to me, uh, those with a silver tongue tend to be, um, chose for someone who at least appeared to be regarding her as Mm. an individual. So um, that was the perfect first step in what this entire episode was about. Yeah. So I guess we... We must be hashtag super smart. The fact that we uh, 
Got the point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> um, and I don't really know how much I can go into this part. I know this is probably running a bit longer already. Um, I think just the idea of foils again. I, I think seeing Mal and Inara, I think we see a lot of, there's a lot of similarity between those two as well in their personality and how they interact with the world overall. Um, well, I, I, I think you said it perfectly earlier. Um, I don't know if you intended to, but you referred to uh, Inara and Malcolm as a mirroring instead of a foil. Yeah. And right. I think that's very apt. Um, yeah. I think they are a whole lot more si similar um, than you would think at first glance to the point where it makes me wonder about his role as um, a captain, the reason why he joined the independence, where he comes from. Mm -hmm. um, and his, his almost disregard for the fact that he's a captain. Yeah. Where more he seems to be... I mean, I would use the word shepherd, but... Uh, that's already been taken i it just makes me wonder about those things so i think there is a whole lot more mirroring opposed to foiling there yeah um you're right and i'm gonna look for that more it, i mean even if you didn't mean to do it it was a good yeah um i know that that is more apt i think i've just used foil a lot more in this um the the example that i'm going to give with that with that um mirroring is both of them are also very capable of interacting the other's world. I mm. think this episode shows that very well. Mal can be, he could easily fit in with that highbrow crowd and chooses not to. Um, well, that makes me wonder about his history, right? Mm -hmm. And in that same aspect on the mirror, she's easily able to um, be at that bar and not seem out of place per se. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of, yeah, a lot of subtle moments, several that we've already kind of covered in this, that, that show that very well. I think it's going to be interesting to keep watching how that mirroring goes. Yeah. And lots of, lots of little, Subtle clues I'd like to see. Other than that, um, I think this is probably. I have a feeling this is going to be our most accurate interpretation of one of these. Mm. I, except I, for the fact that uh, season two of Carol Tuesday should have been about Angela. <laughs> Release it! Release it! <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> thanks again for huddling around the second wall with us here tonight join us next time as we continue our discussion of firefly please join the conversation in the comments on social media or at our discord where we would love to get your thoughts and of course if you like what we do please share us with your friends